Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Download the PODcast on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. I think that's the, the word everyone's going for now is wherever you get your podcasts. I don't like that. It's like, it's, you should, you should, you should if you, in case you don't know where your podcasts are at, we got to let you know. It's, and it's live, 2022. People know where to get their podcasts, right? Do they? Do they? Do you know they where your podcasts up, are? It's 2022. It's 2022. Do you know where your podcasts are at? <laughs> um, live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. If you know, you know, we are the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Here to talk about the best Lions coverage anywhere on the damn planet. And uh, I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, as always, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And this week on the POD cast, we are going to talk about a draft prospect that I think we've kind of forgotten about that is very much so in play at two, but nobody seems to want to admit that he's in at play at number two and is maybe trying to figure out reasons to not take him at number two. We're talking about Tibbs. We'll talk about him a little bit. We're talking about some of the comments from Brad Holmes and the ownership meetings. We've got a mailbag, but first the rest of the crew, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online, Mr. Mustache, El Grande himself about to die at blue. I've been, I've got from good sources that next week it will be Honolulu blue. Maybe blue Maybe. and silver, blue and silver blue and we're, silver. Very, yeah, very we, important. We've, we were bisecting the colors this, this time. We'll see uh, that we do have a good guest lined up for next week's not. We have a good one lined up for, for this week's uh, first bite. We have, but we have like one that I'm really looking forward to next week. So I'm a little bit nervous about having a colored mustache for that one, but uh but he, I, I think knowing him, I think I think he'll be. Yeah. Right, Ryan. Ryan Matthews. Black is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, I just want to send <clears throat> I just want to send a message out to everybody out there. Shoot your shot. You know, jump in those DMs. You know, the water might be cold at first, but it'll warm up. It'll warm up. I like I like this tease. I never get to know who these are. Like you guys, you guys get these and I'm like, wait a minute. We have who? Who do we have? I, I don't. I, well, it's a mystery even to me. The one who's supposed to be running the podcast. <laughs> I just it, it's it's draft related. That's all. That's all okay. I'll say. That's all I'll throw out there. I don't. We've had some good. We've had some good draft guests this this year, too, because we've had Bucky Brooks and we've had on 
people from the athletic. We've had good yeah, guests. Had so. Dane. Dane is a huge guest. It's not Dane. Yeah. We've, we've already had Dane. We might reach out to Dane again, but it's not. Yeah. I'll, th- I'll just say we've, we've had Dane. We've had Bucky Brooks. We've had, we've had, we've said some good people anyway. Uh, let's not nose, nose around too much. We want to jump right into it. So Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, so the Bruce Feldman uh, had, what was it, Jeremy? An article out this week. It was it was a mock draft that he. It was a mock he, draft. With yeah, every but, pick he threw in comments from from people inside the NCAA and some NFL guys. They're all right. anonymous sources, so do with what that do with that information right. what you will. But right, um, yeah. Go and ahead, these sorry. were so I, I just th- these were some of the comments. I just wanted to get to some of them because like I feel like this is kind of setting the table for us to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. We've talked a lot about Malik Willis and Aiden Hutchinson. And I've even managed to get in some Kyle Hamilton talk because we've tried to open up people to the idea of a, of a safety. But Kayvon Thibodeau, who should who was before this draft even got started, was the number one like edge rusher, maybe the number one pick overall. Now suddenly getting a lot of this. And to these comments Jeremy is talking about, I didn't think he was consistent with effort. He didn't have much success early in our game. He kind of shut it down. I don't see it. He's not good. He's not great. He was a non-factor in so many games. He's an independent contractor. His first step is unbelievable. You just wonder how important is football to him? Question mark. So this is a fascinating track. I always see every year, Jeremy Ryan, that there's always, we've always had questions that guys at the top of the draft about like, how much are you really loving football. It's an age old question. It it happens in a lot of different walks of life. This idea that, you know, it's it's not enough to be good at your job. You have to just, you have to really want it, man. You have to really love it. And by love, you mean go through all the struggles, go through all the pain, go through all the travail, go through all kinds of stuff that are kind of shitty, but you know, you have to love it to show that, you know, it's the powers that be that you deserve to be at the top of the pile, which is not a great way to go about life, but it's apparently our great American way of working is to show that you just want to just shiv the other guy that much harder. And that happens a lot. But at the same time, I understand that there's probably some genuine concern for Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think, Jeremy, you kind of teed it up on like, you know, it's 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 a difference of taking plays off, which happens a lot in football versus the quote unquote other interests in football. Yeah. And and with Kayvon, it's it's hard to kind of separate those two based on some of these kind of anonymous sources. Like a lot of time, a lot of a lot of it is the the former. You know, he he's into cryptocurrency and all the all this other nonsense that to me doesn't matter. I don't care about that. If if he has interest in in doing you know stuff off the field, I don't think that's necessarily going to get in the way of him as a football player. There are plenty of people who have multiple interests. Dominican Sue is one of those, and and a lot of people I've. I've heard kind of compare character to him in terms of not necessarily the aggressiveness on the field, but in terms of just like um, the way he carries himself um, off the field. Um, But I mean, you said it, one of those quotes was clearly from a college coach. It said, I didn't think he was consistent with effort. He didn't have much success early in our game and he kind of shut it down. That, that is a quote that I'm concerned with because that is, is not about, having interest in football. That's about performance on the field. And so, you know, I think the whole reason we're, we're setting the table for this discussion is because Friday was Oregon's pro day and the Lions showed up in droves. It's seven. Yeah, Brad Holmes himself there. was there. They a bunch of their scouts. Yes. 
and and you know we saw them chatting with him we saw chris spielman there and, and and all that and so they need to suss that out because if you're giving up on plays if if you aren't all about football not that you can't have a personal life too but if you aren't kind of that hard-wicking gritty mentality like you're not going to be a cultural fit here you just aren't and um i don't know i like i can't speak to Kayvon thibodeau as as a person and i'm not I, I'm not tuned in enough. I've never met the man. Uh, I, I don't want to judge a person based off of interviews. The tape to me is pretty darn good. I don't see as much of the giving up as some of these other people do, but at the same time, I, I'm not as in, in it as a college coach who literally went against him. So there's questions here that are legit. There are questions here that I don't think are legit, but I think there is significant smoke here that I'm glad that the Lions at least did a ton of due diligence last Friday to, to get to know the guy. Yeah, I, you know, I, I posted the question on Saturday in an open thread. You know, I asked, do you want the Lions to draft Kayvon Thibodeau? And I was surprised at how split it was. Yeah. Um, you know, just because, as Chris mentioned, this is a guy who throughout the entire college offseason, almost throughout the entire college season itself, was the de facto number one pick. And, you know, in, in over the course of what, I mean, since November, right. So, you know, over the course of just a, you know, a handful of months, the, the narrative has shifted so much on him. And I, I just find it really puzzling. I, I find it, you know, um, to be kind of in the same vein as not, not that they had the same concerns, but a lot of the Justin Fields talk from last year, like mm-hmm. a lot of like, Hey, this guy's a legit quarterback, but because he belonged in such a, you know, loaded quarterback class and add to it, you know, the concerns, right? Like that all came up from anonymous sources of, you know, he goes through long through his reads and, you know, has trouble making it through progressions and there were some people who put names to it. Right. Well, I was going to say, remember, and, and I was just reminded of this from a different lines podcast. Remember the seizure stuff that came up like a week before the yeah. draft. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. do. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact thing, but like that, I, I think that's my point. Is like sometimes either like someone is is like purposely throwing shade or, or, or bringing something up right towards the end of the draft prospect because like suddenly teams don't have enough time to like do research and, and figure out that stuff, and so it it does feel like maybe there's a little bit of sabotage going on, but, but at the same time, I don't know. There's enough smoke here that I, I don't know if that's what's happening or not. How yeah, uh, Chris, Chris, how, yeah. how, how telling is it that the lions basically sent everybody to Oregon's pro day that really is involved in the decision-making process. Like having Brad Holmes there, I think was a big deal. Yeah. It, it, it either belies that you have a lot of interest in the person or it belies that you have a lot of concerns in the person and you need boots on the ground to kind of look. It can cleave one way yeah. or another. It can either cleave a lot of interest or it can cleave a lot of a lot of questions. Both are both as I think the the word again from Jeremy is due diligence. I like the word. I I like a lot of legal terms. That's that's one in there. As far as like the stuff outside of football, again, like that's that's kind of why I'm I I, I hesitate a bit on this because like. As you said, Ryan, we've seen it with other guys. I've always referenced how much I love that people try to bring it up against Miles Garrett and how much uh, Mel Kuyper lost his mind defending Miles Garrett. 
about how much he likes dinosaurs and Motown. And that's fine. That's totally fine to have other interests. And crypto crypto is like, I, I mean, half the guys in the league right now are getting their contracts in crypto and Des Bryant can't go three weeks without his NFT wallet getting scammed. Like, <laughs> like this is something that's going to happen no matter what guys, but that's a tale as old as football guys in on the latest financial crazes to try to make some money besides football uh, to, to Jeremy's point. It is more the stuff about taking plays off and even, you know, of lions fans, you, you talk about how very quickly people would turn away from it. And I saw people even during the season, the last season with them, I think part of that was maybe people wanting to elevate. They, they wanted to find reasons to put, Thibodeau down because they wanted to elevate Hutchinson in their mind, but they were pointing out a lot of plays where like they were watching Oregon late season where it's like, yeah, is he, is he kind of like giving up on a play? Maybe I'm, I, I just, I don't think it's though. Like I understand though, that it's just, it's, it's a grueling process and we know all about college and we know how quickly it is that college. If you get hurt in college, how badly your stock can tank and how badly that can ruin your future finances that I'm not, I'm not as worried about him taking off plays in college. I just would hope that that's not something that's going to happen. You know, once you've hit the pros itself. And that's kind of where the big question is like, I'm I'm fine with him taking off plays at Oregon while he's unpaid, but that, that can't happen once a team puts in the draft pick for you. My, my only, my only crack in that logic is like, whether you like it or not, your entire college tape is your resume. And, and maybe you don't, maybe you don't realize that when you first step on campus, but it's true because I, I they, understand you will that, get Jer- nitpicked to death. I understand that Jeremy, but process. how many guys have we seen their finances have been ruined because sure. they don't take off the plays and then they tear an ACL. I mean, but that sort of stuff is just random that comes with it. It's not it's random, but everyone, hard. everyone loves doing that on Twitter. All the, all the NFL insiders, all the college writers, all the guys athletic love going out there and saying, oh, this is why guys shouldn't play in in bowl games. This well, is why I don't guys mind skipping should... bowl games. I don't mind. Yeah, but that's that but, uh, come on. Why? Why can't we extend that logic, though? It's like, oh, if you take off a, a bowl game, that speaks badly to you. That's acceptable, but not taking off plays. We're like and it's not like taking off a play ruins your team's chances. When you take off a play, it's clear that sometimes you can't make an impact on that play. And you're just diving in just to make sure that nobody says you're not taking off that play. Like that's, that's not, that's not an actual logical move in football. That's just optics. I I might be rounding the edges a little bit here, but I feel like a similar player, like I mentioned Justin Fields, but I think that there's a better example of this. And I think Jadavion Clowney is a great example for miles Garrett. He's the one that comes up in a lot of comps. I've seen scouts comp, Thibodeau to Clowney a lot not obviously not the same player but kind of the same like everything we're talking about to to your point I'll let you continue I'm sorry but like yeah Clowney comes up right yeah and 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 I think from the aspect of has has a great sophomore season right and then the season where he's supposed to kind of plant his flag as the number one pick. He has some injuries and you know he doesn't have the best season and he slides a little bit down the draft board when a, a year prior to that, everybody thought he was the surefire number one pick. And I, I think that there's a little bit of that to, to Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that there's a little bit of prospect fatigue. Um, but 
there are questions. And I think overall what this speaks to, because Jeremy, I just double checked it, but right now it was 60% yes, 40% no on do you want the Lions to draft Kayvon Thibodeau? And that was out of 4,500 total votes. <laughs> that, that article had 319 comments. Articles don't get that many comments unless you're talking about COVID or kneeling for the flag. Um, like, it, it's like, uh, that's how like that's how divisive I think this discussion is. But but to, to to expand that like I think you could put out that poll for any of these top four prospects and, right. and the same thing like Malik Wills will, will probably double that all that uh, you know even even Aiden Hutchinson like I know the consensus now is Aiden Hutchinson is is probably the best guy in the draft but before before we had reached that conclusion he was actually quite a polarizing prospect and you can imagine why in the, in the state of Michigan. Um, and, and obviously Kyle Hamilton is, is another polarizing debate, all of this debate. But if, if we can, I want to shift this a little bit more to the conversation as Kayvon Thibodeau as an actual player. Because, a schematic. Is he a schematic yeah, fit for the Lions too? Right, because I still think he probably has the highest ceiling of maybe anyone in this draft, um, if you're including positional value. Um, maybe Malik Willis is, is the one uh, exception there. But um, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, like that, this dude has all the athletic, like he is built exactly like you'd want in an edge rusher. The, the only person who, who really matches him is, 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 you know, Tavon Walker, but we, we can talk about him. Kayvon to me, like the, 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 the quick area quickness, right? Like his, is whatever his 10 yard split was one five, nine or whatever it was his, his first, everyone talks about his first step, his first step, his first step. And if he can just rely learn to rely on that speed a little bit more and develop a little bit more of his pass rushing moves. I think he can be in the conversation of elite edge rusher, a guy who who's getting all pros and things like that, which, which is something that we've all seemed to have agreed does not exist in this draft. Like a lot of these guys ceilings is maybe a pro bowl here and there. I think, I think cave Thibodeau, if he lands in the right spot, lands with a coaching staff that knows how to pull it out of him, wink, wink, Detroit Lions potentially, if they can get his head straight and and eliminate any of those taking off plays or or whatever character concerns you have over the guy, I think high ceiling and and that's why I think I'd be pretty happy if Kayvon Thibodeau was at number two because that means the Lions not only did a character character check and and believed they they can handle that guy, but also I I do think he has the highest ceiling and, and I think the Lions have a good enough coaching staff to get him as close to that ceiling as possible. And I want Chris to get into this, but I think another advantage, another leg up that the Lions might have that another team might not is who's their right tackle? A guy who played with Kayvon Thibodeau. Yep. An Sewell. Yep. Right? No, they absolutely. Have, they have same, some, they same have some in, in-house intel. But Chris, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to give you a, uh, a comp that uh, Danny Kelly of the Ringer gave Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm not sure if you saw this, but all of his like comparisons are just fun. Uh, he, he says, I probably didn't see this. I've been really engrossed with Carolina basketball this week's, but go on. Yeah. So he says shades of Khalil Mack and a T-Rex and an F-14. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting to go the T, the, the F-14. I, I'm assuming the F-14 is like half probably what is that? Is that either Top Gun or you just like the variable wings? I think I it's know. the variable we, wings. We, we might have to ask him. We might have to. Um, I think the only concern I have then is we're talking about fit. 
right. Lions seem to be, and I hate to do this three, four versus four, three, because apparently someone got mad at me on Twitter for dismissing the whole question, but the lions do seem to be heading more for four, three base for a lot of their schemes. And Thibodeau kind of seems more like a three, four. He seems like he's more kind of an edge in the sense that, you know, he's prototypical defensive end, but also outside linebacker. So I think that's the only, like from a, from a fit point, that's the only question I would really have. Um, He he kind of, he, he, he did start 2019. He was a lot of stop. Like he was just a pass rusher 2020. He started to, to round out well. And by 2020 run, I don't think I have any concerns with him stopping the run. It's certainly not his strength, but lions, I would rather crush the pass than, than worry about the run too much. And, and, and I do think it bears repeating that the Lions aren't just going to be a four down base 100% of the time. They're no, going to not pretty, I, I wouldn't say evenly, but like, I think we're still talking 60, 40, 65, 35. Like, yeah, this is, this is fluid now. You are not always in a four, three base or yeah, a three, four I, base. I do think Thibodeau has a little bit more versatility than, than a lot of people. I don't think he is just a pure three, four. I think, I think he can, he can put his hand in the dirt a little bit. I, I think he'd be okay with that. And and I think, listen, like we, we mentioned this a little bit on on the, the the green room the other day, like the Lions have specifically said they are going to tailor their scheme to the players' talents. And half the reason they are moving to more four down fronts is because they believe that the guys that they currently have are better fit for that. And so if they have Kayvon Thibodeau, well, then maybe they even that out. Maybe they scale that back a little bit and they say like, well, listen, Kayvon's the guy that we need to build around on the, on the, on the defensive line because he's the only one that... It's probably going to be around for certain in three or four years. So then the conversation changes again. There's plenty of offseason to go where they don't have to be stuck in their plan to go to more four down fronts if they had a guy like Kayvon. I, I want to continue this conversation. We need to take a break. I want to continue this conversation about what risks you'd be willing to take over Thibodeau because I think that's ultimately the question at the end of the day because I think a lot of people are nitpicking at Thibodeau but I don't think like you're going to like some of the other options unless you're like me or Ryan and you like very specific guys from very specific position, other positions. So I want to talk about that. We will get into the Brad Holmes media session we had down at uh, in Florida at the ownership meetings. Jeremy was there. He had an airplane beer and everything. Um, we'll talk with him about that. And we got some mailbag questions we'll get to in later the show, but we're going to take a quick break here. We'll chat with Twitch chat during our break. That'll go up later in another podcast. But for right now, we'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Prideofdetroit.com, baby. Uh, so where, where do we leave off? I think I had a bookmark saved in here. We were still carrying on our Kayvon Thibodeau conversation. Um, ultimately, and this is kind of where I want to like use this as kind of like to close the door on this, because we talked a lot about his fit. And I think ultimately, though, as people nitpick the, the idea of Kayvon Thibodeau, I guess the question is, who would you be willing to risk over, taking over Thibodeau at this point? And I know the answers for me and Ryan, because we can easily say, you know, Ryan's obviously talked a lot about Malik Willis. I've talked a lot about Kyle Hamilton. I guess we could go down the rest of everyone too, or just buy positions too. So, I mean, Jeremy, like, is there anyone in your mind or are you just going to, or are you just going to admit that like, unless we're considering Thibodeau versus Hutchinson, that these other guys, there's a lot of questions for them too. Yeah, there is. And and this will kind of lead into some Brad Holmes talk too about like there's multiple guys that he said they'd be happy with. And I think part of the reason is because none of these guys have distanced themselves from the other because there are so many concerns with everyone else. And so, you know, if they pick Trayvon Walker, I, I get it. I understand. He's a guy that, again, much like Thibodeau, like if he lands in the right place and gets coached up, he has a pretty darn high ceiling too. Um Hamilton, I get like I, I get all of them, and so I I'm I'm not here planting a flag of anyone over Thibodeau because I feel like they all have merits and and they all have have reasons to to not pick them, and so I I don't feel strongly about this guy is definitely going to have a better season, a better career than than Kayvon Thibodeau. There's not a single guy that I feel that way, but th- I th- the reverse is also true. I'm not so certain that Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have a much better career than. Hamilton or Thibodeau or, or Walker, I should say, or, or, or Malik Willis. Like it, it's just, there's, there's so much, this is, this is me walking the fence. Like, and, and I'm, I'm an ultimate hedge setter. So like, I get it. Like, this is, I, I'm sorry. I wish I had a hot take for you. And I wish I had someone that I, the lines need to grab this guy. I don't, there's, there's so many questions about all these guys. That it's just like, I'm just going to kind of sit back, wait and see what happens and, and root the hell, root like hell for whoever they pick. That's where I'm at. Yeah, the, the one thing that I wanted to say to your point that you had last segment, Jeremy, is I, I think it's wild that people just think that Brad Holmes is some two-year-old who's trying to, like, put blocks in, in, in one of those play things that kids have, and they all end up in the, in the container. And they think that Kayvon Thibodeau is this odd-shaped object that just, oh, I can't fit it in here because we said we're going to be a 4-3 more than we are a 3-4. <laughs> right. Like, the Lions are going to draft the best player – and if all of a sudden Kayvon Thibodeau is on the football team, they're going to find ways to use him a lot and to use him to, to his, his skill set. But I, I agree with you to, to your, to your point that you just made about like all these players have warts. And I know Chris liked when I, when I used that, that turn of phrase, but like all these players have blemishes. Like there isn't anything that's yes, this player is an absolute slam dunk. I think it's kind of strange that, that the draft, that the, you know, the, 
that the discourse has shifted to Aiden Hutchinson being the number one pick, like for sure. I don't think anything is for certain. Yeah. Arm length, T-Rex arms. Not not the good version of a T-Rex in an F-14, but. Yeah, yeah. T-Rex versus, T-Rex versus, are you sure he likes football? He's into dinosaurs, paleontology stuff we're, we're in for one hell of a hot take theater with all of this but like i i mean i'm just even looking at other positions like would you want to take a tack like evan neal over over these guys no absolutely not that that is the one thing where that is completely off the table yeah. don't take w- a tack. W- would you take ahmad gardner who says he's the best player in this draft people people lost their damn minds when they took okuda at three for a corner so if they take one at two <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He 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 is starting to creep into the conversation a little bit, and I'll be honest, I haven't looked a ton into him, but uh, would would certainly be interesting because corner is very much a position that's very much up in the air. I just think it'd be smart for the Lions to take a year to see what they got in some of the guys that that are already here. I would also say if you're going to take a corner, you can never berate me about taking Kyle Hamilton as safety. If you're going into the secondary, take Kyle Hamilton. But here's the thing, even with even with sauce, like even with sauce, there's people who say that Stingley might be the better cornerback. It's just right. that injuries yeah. and a lack of production in, in you know the past year and a half at LSU ha- has has damaged has damaged his uh his his draft stock. So like while that is true, it, it goes to you know Jeremy's larger point of like all these guys have problems. Yeah, and that's that's why I've been arguing. It's not just one guy at two, one or two different guys at two. It's not just one position at two. You need to be open to. We said this last week, Ryan. You need to be open to possibilities because this draft is wide open. Yep, it, nobody's more open to possibilities than Brad Holmes, though, right? That's right, uh, Jeremy. You were down in Florida for the media session. Yeah, um, there was talk, a lot of talk about. Uh, trade for the free agency discourse that happens after this period of free agency. Um, what, where do you want, where do you want to go with this? Because I feel like there's some other NFL news that it, like, I almost want to start with trade. Cause there's other yeah, NFL news that, that you, you want to talk happening. trade down. I'm, I'm in let's talk trade down because of course. Yeah. now, now we've Ryan, now we've hit on what you, you, you've woken the beast here. Uh, because yeah, Brad Holmes had some interesting comments about trade saying he's had a few conversations, which he, he did mention is not out of the ordinary this this point in in the draft process. But what I did think he said that was interesting was one, the thing I just said before, which is he's open to a like there are, there are a handful of people at, at different positions that he'd be he'd be able to sleep at night if he picked at number two. And if he says if, if there are more than if there are a few guys there, logic then says you'd be perfectly fine trading back a couple spots and get and still guaranteeing you're going to get one of those guys. And also pocketing an, an extra draft pick that makes a lot of sense. And he didn't sound like a guy that's like we're sold on one guy. Not that he'd ever say that, but. And then the the, the other point is, a question that I actually asked him whether he'd be down to trade before the draft even started, whether he would orchestrate a trade, not even knowing who Jacksonville is going to take. And he said, "Yeah, I would do that." That to me is kind of telling. It, it, it's it says to me that he's already trying to kind of position. Uh, uh, an opportunity to trade down. And I don't know, uh, may, maybe it's all just talk. Maybe he's just trying to drum up excitement and, and throw people off his track. But to me, if you're, if you're saying there are multiple guys that you'd be happy with it too, and you'd be perfectly okay with trading out of that two spot 
that that tells me even like if if what we all assume is going to happen, Aiden Hutchins goes one. Basically, Brad Holmes says even if that doesn't happen, even if there's a chance that that doesn't happen, Aiden Hutchinson isn't a a game changer for us. We're willing to trade back before even knowing if he's going to be on the table or not. That's that's telling. Is it not? Am I am I overreading the situation? I don't think so. Um, I, I think what's most important is what what you just outlined. Like Aiden Hutchinson isn't their number one player on their board. Like that's what that's saying. Or you know you know what I mean. Or like the, it, or he's just it's not that big of a difference between one and four, right? Like he might yeah. be one, but they're Which, perfectly fine with two, three, four, or five. Which is the general consensus amongst virtually Everyone's everybody saying that. Yep. like all, all the way back to Dane Brugler when he mentioned, you know, it, this is the worst year for the Lions to have a top five draft pick. Yep. And, you know, McShay says it sucks to have a top five pick this year. Right. And now we just need to figure out how much the saints are willing to give up, to move up <laughs> to number two, to get the player that they clearly want. I'm still wrapping my head around this trade right now. I feel like this is a prelude to moving up even higher for them. So for those who don't know what we're talking about uh, today, the fourth Adam Schefter reporting that Eagles sent picks number 16 and 19 and one and 194 to the saints in exchange for 18, 101, 237 in the seventh round and a first round pick next year and a second round pick in 2024. That sounds like a lot. I'm still wrapping my head around exactly what's going on here. The important thing is right now, the Saints sit at 16 to 19. Yeah. So that was, and that was only a little bit of moving up on their part. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had, they had pick 18. Now they have 16 and 19. Right. So they moved up, they jumped one team. They gained, they gained a spot, but like they're still in kind of the same area. They've just multiplied their, their picks. Right. And so I've seen some people say like, Oh, they jumped the, the Los Angeles chargers They're they're going for an offensive tackle. Well, if you're just trying to jump one team, first of all, maybe do it closer to the draft when you know your offensive tackle is going to be on the board Uh, Two, why throw in extra first round picks and second round picks and, and getting that second first round pick. Like, no, they, they're loading up on first round picks in this year's draft. For a reason. Yeah. I don't know what that reason is, but it's very peculiar. It's I, I, It can't be that they like multiple players in this draft to the point that they're willing to bet that that whatever happens with, the, with them next year, it won't give the Saints a top first half pick. Because that's what they're gambling on by basically trading. They're basically turning trading in 2023 first round for an extra first round this year. Right. Is, is forget about the second is, and everything else. That's garnish. But, and that's, yeah. that's a curious move, right? Like everyone's talking about how this draft class isn't that particularly good. They say it's deep. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's there. And you know, 16, 19 is where you start to get, you know, as you say, tackles, wide receivers are probably going to come off the board. Maybe <clears> if you like quarterback, maybe you might get one, but like with all this chatter on quarterback, it feels like they, this is the other possibility. They might need to make another move and they've got 16 and 19 ready to go and loaded up to make another move. And, and also are the new Orleans saints financially really in the place to keep both those first round draft picks and pay the contracts of both said first round picks. Like, I mean, this is, I think this is very clearly their attempt to load up and to move up. And there there's two positions that they can upgrade, right? Because they lost Taryn Armstead. 
their their franchise left tackle, and they have Jameis Winston. And they clearly took a big swing and a miss trying to get Deshaun Watson. And now that Sean uh, Sean Payton's out of the building, I don't think anyone cares about Taysom Hill. <laughs> Taysom Hill is officially a tight end. <laughs> it, well, uh, the, the other read on this that, that people have, have thrown out there is that they, they think they're ready to compete, which – I don't know. Their, their roster isn't bad. Like they, they could look slide at the into, NFC South. Yeah. They're, they're not going to win the AFC, the NFC South. The Bucks are like, I think we can already pencil them as winners. Right. But, but they play in a weak enough division that, Hey, right. if we beat up they on the sl- Panthers twice, if we beat up right. on the Falcons twice. Yeah. And so you add two and the pressure, first I mean, round the pr- picks, maybe you get production out of both those guys. I think they can probably fit them in in their salary cap. Because, I mean... Because it doesn't exist. Just say it. No, not because it doesn't exist. Well, hold on. Because two guys late in the first might be around the same price as one guy in the top five. Like, if if we're going to project them to trade all the way up in the top five, that doesn't come cheap in terms of salary cap either. I was going to say, because you mentioned Carolina in there, and obviously Carolina is one of the other teams that's very hungry for a quarterback right now, which is why I'm not sure they're done, because Carolina sits at six. And if they want to take a quarterback, that seems to be where people are more than happy to, 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 to draft a quarterback, according to a lot of the mock drafts. It's not two. They won't. They will say that's bad for the Lions to take a quarterback at two, but six is totally fine mm-hmm. for the Carolina Panthers to take Malik Willis. So if you are the Saints and you want to jump them, you're going to have to make a dance partner out of, like, I don't know, the Giants or maybe the Lions. I, I, I don't think it's reasonable with the Lions, but maybe the Saints – go for the giants. But I mean, if you're the lions, I guess the thing is like, you got to sell them on trading with you at that point. There's just a lot of hand wringing over draft pick charts. Like stop Mm -hmm. it. Like over the value charts. Like it's, it's not, it's not as important and it's not by law as, as a lot of people think it is like the team trading up has to give up X amount of more capital than, than they're, they're, you know, trading for no stop. Like that, that's not how it always works. Like this is like a guide. You know, and, and I think that 16 and 19 could definitely get you up to five. It could definitely maybe even get you up to four if, you know, if the Jets are willing to trade out. But I, I think it's most clearly, I, I think that there's something to what Chris is saying is the Saints, they see Carolina and they might get a quarterback. Well, hey, the Saints themselves are in the market to get a quarterback. Let's move ahead of the team in our own division to get the quarterback that we This want. is how this happens every year when we're like, yeah, this is a weak quarterback class, and then we get close to the draft itself, and everyone's going nuts for, for Mitch Trubisky, and they're scrambling over each other to get up there. Who, who's already had a meeting? True. They, they, have, they have met with Malik Wills. That is worth pointing out. So let's let's bring us back to the Lions conversation. Yeah. First of all, do you think the Lions are a viable trade partner here? Do you think the Saints have motivation to go all the way up to two? Do they need to jump Houston, uh, a team that, that drafted a quarterback last year who played kind of well, but what was he, a third, fourth round pick? So not necessarily a franchise guy. Jets probably have their guy. So do they, do they wait and, and, and go for five? Are they concerned about the Lions at all? Do they... I don't know. Like here's, to here's me, I feel like we 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 view everything through a Lions lens. So when something like this happens, they're like, "What does it mean for the Lions? Can they trade down now?" Well, what's the name of the podcast? <laughs> um, but to your to your question, yeah. I think the Lions have to do a sell job there to get it, and I think some fans might be unhappy because you might not get the full value. 
And I hate that word value, but you might not get the full value out of number two because what else the Saints are going to throw in along with 16 to 19? Their second rounder, like suddenly, suddenly you're you're at if you can't ask for too much, because they'll just be like, why don't we just go check in with the Jets or with the Giants? So you're, you're probably not going to be selling it for what it's completely worth, but I wouldn't mind for the Lions moving down to 16 and 19. That puts them in range of a lot of those wide receivers, like I said, and other essential pieces, maybe not the top, maybe not the top guys in the draft, but definitely that mid round is still very strong. But I mean, we, we keep saying like there, there are no elite talent in this draft. Mm-hmm. So if it, it kind of, I'm not going to say there, there isn't a difference between the level and top 10 talent and, and 20 to, to 30 or whatever, but it's it's a lot lower than in normal years, so may, maybe that's why you, you take a lesser deal. I don't I don't know fifteen and nineteen or do it or, or whatever it is. Um, I I'd like to see it that like, but fifteen nineteen and, and a second round, like I would strongly consider that. So so here's the deal, right? Fifteen or sorry, 16, 16, 16 and nineteen. My bad. Yeah, sixteen and nineteen and forty nine, which is the second round pick the New Orleans Saints have. Those are like just shy in value. Like we're talking, I think according to the Rich Hill value chart, like, you know, the, the Lions pick is like 714 or 717, whatever. And those three picks from New Orleans is just north of 700 in yeah. terms of point value. Basically. But basically even, but there's so many fans that think, oh, like the Lions would need to get more. Like they need to get a few. No, the Saints just traded their future first round pick. They traded their second round pick in 2024. Like that stuff comes off the table. But to what we're saying right now, when we take stock of those players, one through seven, one through eight, however many you want to lump in there, there just isn't the value because there isn't a blue chip prospect. There, there, there aren't these guys who are surefire Trevor Lawrence or Miles Garrett or you know any of these players that come into the pre-draft process and have us start having a discussion of, okay, the, the pick at one is already made. Let's start thinking about how the rest of the draft unfolds. Right. That That's not there. So moving up to two isn't going to be as costly as it has been in, in other years. This isn't the Cleveland Browns trading back with the Atlanta Falcons when, when yeah, Atlanta this isn't, this isn't the Bengals, Jones. This isn't the Bengals refusing to give the war, the, like the, the Dolphins are trying to give the world to Cincinnati and they won't budge because they want Joe, Joe Burrow. This isn't Washington moving up for RG three, like the the, yeah. the the player's just not there in, in the eyes of a lot of talent evaluators. The thing that that is most curious about this to me though is just like it feels like you don't make this trade unless you have another one coming, right? Like like it feels like they might oh, for already, the Saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, the, they might the, have one already lined some up. Sort of framework, yeah. and if that's the case, like. How, and and I don't know I don't know if it's an offensive tackle I don't know if it's a guard that they're going up or a quarterback that they're going up to to get but what, like where like they have to have some, if it's a quarterback they have to have a certain amount of certainty that he's that their guy is going to be there. That's the always the other rub to these things because we can call the the Saints fools for trying to trade up in this year, but and and like as I would say this to Lions fans who are like yeah you should trade down with the Saints. If the Saints are willing to trade up so much to get a specific player, what does that tell you about that player? That a, that an organization like the Saints, who has usually put together some mostly decent teams, I just think of Ricky Williams, like specifically the Saints trading their entire draft to move up. But that's I mean, that okay, okay, eon, fair, eons ago, fair, but fair, fair, fair. Yeah, 
Yeah, but but I, I, I agree, Chris. Like to your point, like if, if if some team is willing to throw all their ammunition, push in all one, their chips in one to the table in one yeah. boat, and they're gonna, hey, we're we're taking down this. Yeah, this yeah. When when they push all the chips to the table, you've got to. Are you going to call or are you going to fold? It and, and to where Jeremy was taking the discussion, I think that like you you take a look at a team. You know, because because as you say, like if the Saints are moving up for a player that they have in mind, they they better get to that spot. Yeah. And they better not leave any room for air, right? So it, it seems like Detroit would be the benefactor of that, or even like maybe the Saints are trying to move up to the number one pick in the draft so they can take the player they want because they absolutely cannot afford to miss on this. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's the problem, too, of doing it this early. Right. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's why maybe we won't see the second leg of this. And maybe it's, it's something that they're holding on. And maybe the, maybe they're OK with their two picks right now. But they're they're holding on, hoping that, you know, you get to pick four on draft day and, and the guy's still there. But to me, it seems like the first leg in a second in a second leg trade. And, and like you said, like if you trade up to five right now and you're like, we're going to get Malik Wilson at five and then Carolina's like. Screw that. So fast. We're, tra- we're trading up, baby. Not like, so fast, my friend. You suddenly look like an idiot. Uh, you, you might not know publicly, but behind the scenes. It's like you got you got goosed. You got goosed. So, so yeah, that that to me is maybe the one argument that that is for the Saints being a viable trade option. Personally, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think no. that they need to trade all the way up if, if quarterback is their guy. I think they can wait on draft day and wait till four or five and two the number one guy is still going to be there. to put a bow on this and bring it back to quarterback. I'm sorry. Did you have something else, Ryan, or no, I was going to say something totally and wildly inappropriate. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. That's, that's fine. That's, that's a good place for me to interrupt then yeah. um, to bring it back to Brad Holmes as we chewed up this entire segment. Now talking about the saints trade um, Holmes himself saying that the lions are not committed, committing to a quarterback at play at number two, uh, Jeremy, there's multiple quote, there's multiple players at multiple positions that if we turn the card in today, we could turn that card in today and sleep well at night. Again, going back to our earlier point in that there's multiple options at two. It's not locked in at one point, but I'm sure fans have once again, kind of, you know, been rankled about this idea that they're the lions might stick to golf for another year, which was going to happen regardless. But this goes to our whole conversation about, what if the saints are trying to get a quarterback and Brad Holmes doesn't seem all in about the idea of a quarterback, which I don't think he should be, but it's important to talk about it. Yeah. And, and to be clear, Brad Holmes didn't say a quarterback was not in play to, he basically, he was pushed though. When not he committed, said, not committed to he it. Basically, well, the, the words he said were exactly what was down there. Like he was pushed like, okay, well, is quarterback one of those positions that, that are one of those things. And he would just, he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He said there's multiple players in multiple positions. Even when he said, okay, well, it's quarterback, no, multiple players. Like, he's very much edging away from, from committing in, in, in one way or the another. And, and yeah, like, you do have to – combined with all the things he continues to say about Jared Goff, to me, tells me that he wants to give Jared Goff a fair shot. And at the begin, it's, it's interesting because at the beginning of the year, he and, and Dan Campbell were asked, Is, are you going to be able to get a fair assessment of Jared Goff given – what your your roster is right now and they said yes midway through the season dan gamble changed his tune he's he said i don't know if we we gave jared goff a, a good enough shot this year uh a fair enough shot based on, on on our roster and and the injuries and all that sort of stuff so they take the way that he finished that season as like okay well we got better we got healthier we got a guy like josh reynolds in here maybe this can work you throw in dj chark you throw in maybe a, a healthy 
roster if, if they can somehow stay healthy, especially on the offensive line, and they think it can maybe work. And so I, I'm really moving towards I don't think this team is going to take a quarterback this year. I, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I really don't. I don't think that they'll take one at 32. I don't, I, I don't think that they're going to take one at two. But I will say, if I can get some tinfoil hats in the chat, <laughs> like Brad Holmes played this in a way in which you can't tell me that there weren't already murmurs or rumors flying around or people talking during those owner meetings to get the, the framework of the Saints deal into motion. <laughs> Like there, there's no way that Brad Holmes is going to say like, oh yeah, like we're, we're totally out on a quarterback because the Saints don't have to move up that high then anymore. Multiple players at multiple positions. Also too, it's again, I, I talked about this during the break too. Like it's again, the optics of you can't, you just can't say anything bad about it. You can't give anyone any leverage leeway whatsoever to even let them think you don't, you're not committed to, to Jared Goff. It doesn't matter what you feel about Jared Goff. Truly. It just, that's the optics of the NFL. Like the minute, like I think we said, it's like, as soon as Brad hole, I mean, Dan Campbell said one thing this year where it was like, you know, Jared Goff needs to play better. Everyone went nuts and thought, Dan Campbell is throwing Jared Goff under the bus because that's, that's, that's what it has to be. You have to have eyes for nobody else when it comes to quarterback, right up the, until you, right up until you've, you've drafted their replacement. Yeah. And, and I think so to, the, to that point, Chris, right? Like if the lions wanted to draft Jared Goff's replacement in this draft right now, I've seen so many people say you can't do that to Jared Goff because we, 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 we've seen and it's documented how fragile his psyche is. Like, look what happened in, in Los Angeles when McVeigh pulled out his, um, you know, Which his I don't, I don't buy that from he's, underneath that he's him fragile, but yeah, I, I don't think he is too, but also you don't let Jared Goff's tenure with the Detroit lions change how you plan for the future. Right. Like those two things are not the, yeah, those two things are, are mutually exclusive, man. Like they, like they, it's it's wild. It's wild. And and it's fair to to also point out that the one thing Brad Holmes did say that maybe kind of in, in an indirect way points to them being interested in a quarterback is he said he was asked like, do you think Jared Goff would would or the the rookie quarterback would would benefit from a year behind uh, Jared Goff? And and he said yes. And he said he thinks Jared Goff would be able to handle that too. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to open up the mailbag. It's Ryan's mailbag. We've decided that this is Ryan's. Ryan runs the show on mailbag now. So we've got some questions in there from Ryan looks confused by that, but you've been leading it every time we've brought back mailbag. You know that, right? I, I vaguely remember. Yes. I black wow. out after all these podcasts. <laughs> really? It's that dis- destructive to your psyche, huh? This whole thing is a fugue state for all of us. That's that's true. That's true. Just shouting into the void. We'll do more of that once we come back on the Pride of Detroit Beauty Cast. Mail time, hashtag ask POD anytime, anywhere. It will save it to our logs for questions to be asked at any point. You can also join the Pride of Detroit Discord and drop your question there. 
I think we've been giving out that link. I'll try to make sure it's in the uh, article for next time. Apparently we got rated by a bunch of new people from some other NFL discord or something. So we've got more, a lot, lot more Lions fans now. Um, Ryan has become our mailmaster, our mailman. And he's here with all the questions. We're setting down our virtual sack and going to open the sack. Okay. Thank sack you, master, sack <laughs> master Ryan, please begin. Okay. Um, I really prefer being uh, compared to Fred Durst at a rock god, much more so than that. But anyways, uh, yeah, mail time. All right. From Tom Peck on Twitter at TXPeckII. Uh, wow. Okay. He asks, if you had to put money on one player to be drafted by the Lions, who is it and why the round doesn't matter? That's a tough one because I feel like if you would have asked me two months ago, everyone's answer would have been the same. Right. Which now makes this question worthwhile and fun. Right. Because it was, it was Connor Hayward. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to, nope. I thought Jesus you were going to say Aiden Hutchinson. Nope. Nope. Jesus Christ. It was, no, it was Connor Hayward because you, everyone, you, you everyone, led that perfectly. Wow. Like, it was great. Yeah. But like, no, everyone was saying like after the senior bowl meeting with him and, and hearing Dan Campbell gush about him and him playing fullback slash tight end and all these things, then the lines went out and re-signed Jason Cabinda. And you're like, well, do you really need two Jason Cabindas on the team? Right. Like I know there's still kind of a tight end two spot. And I certainly think it's still possible that Connor Hayward gets drafted because I mean, people are projecting him to be like a sixth, seventh round pick and you're just throwing darts there. So you want to throw a dart at Connor Hayward. Sure. But I don't like, there's so, there's so much unknown about this draft that I don't know if I have a better answer even after them sign re-signing Jason Cabinda. Do either of you guys? I think the answer is I, I was going to say originally it's probably Kayvon Thibodeau at this point, but I think my answer is Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk? Excuse me? No. Sorry. What? <laughs> the receiver for the Jaguars? No. <laughs> I have Christian completely... Watson, I think, is what you were looking yes, for. Yes, thank you. <laughs> my brain farted out. I just remember Christian, North Dakota State, Suddenly, error, file not found, searching, 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 put in Kurt. I, I, was, I, was, I was waiting for Chris to, like, deliver a punchline to one-up Jeremy's joke, and I was like... No, the there's never a punchline here. Just my bad, my bad, awful, <laughs> mutated brain that's ruined why, from working overnights. Why Christian Watson, Chris? I think he just fits the profile of what the Lions have been talking about for a, a, a while in wide receiver. If you're looking at where they're picking between two and 32, that first class of wide receiver is probably going to be gone by the time they take it. And Watson, to me, is the standout of the second tier of receiver, which means between 32 and 34, A, most likely to be there, B, probably fits them the best, C, probably the most available. All right. All right. All right. Next question. I Drake nasty from uh, Chris's pre game. uh, No decaf on Twitch podcast. There you go. Little plug. Uh, He asks, sorry if you have all talked about this before, but could you guys talk about your personal quote, worst case scenario picks for the lions um, in round one? So this Um, was a question. I I think Alex made this like a morning question. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast though no we haven't 
What's your worst case scenario with that first round pick, Jeremy? <clears throat> or the Lions? I mean, if we're offensive tackle, right? Like that's that's probably the nightmare scenario. I don't know how realistic it is. I don't think it's that realistic. If we're talking more in the realistic realm of things, I mean, I, I just got done seeing like. I'm not going to throw a fit if they draft any of the guys we've been talking about at two. Like I, there, there isn't a worst case scenario. I, I think, I think Malik Willis is the most alarming of the options just because the risk is, is higher than any other pick, but, uh, but Ryan, the reward is also bigger. I dislike that. Um, so I, I guess like amongst, I, amongst the the regular guys that we that are in the conversation for that too, I think Malik Willis would make me the most scared. It wouldn't make me angry. It would make me the most scared. I think my worst case scenario Ryan, might be. Ryan will remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I, I? I think I have one that would actually make Jeremy more scared. Don't say running back. No. Okay. It's what the fans want, which is the Lions trading up to number one to get Aiden Hutchinson. Do the oh. fans actually want that? that uh, considering the mail that Ryan and I have seen, yes. <laughs> that it won't cost the Lions that much, okay. quote, unquote. One, one person's email does not equal a fan base. Otherwise, you know the phone banks, the you know the phone banks on terrestrial radio in the state of Michigan are lined up with people proposing this same thing. It, it's it's probably true. I listened to too much ninety seven one, and there has to have been somebody who's suggested this. And if there hasn't been one person, there's been ten of them. They've been they've been on they've been uh, they've been on hold waiting to get on. They're there. Yeah. They're out there. And it was a listener. Yeah. Do you have well, a case, Brian? What's, Brian? what's yours? What's yours? Yeah. I think it'd be Sauce Gardner. Okay. I I think that. Here's the thing. He could be a very good cornerback. I just think that where this team is right now, there is too much. There'd be too much heat on a guy going second overall after just going through what everybody's going through right now with Jeff Okuda and getting taken third overall. I think that if the Lions were to take Gardner at number two, I don't know. Like at, at no point has anybody been like, yeah, he's the best player in the draft. We've had that talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. We've had that talk about Kyle Hamilton. We've had that talk about Aiden Hutchinson. At least there's been talk about the offensive tackles being the best player in the draft. I think drafting a cornerback at two wouldn't be so hot. It's weird. It's weird how you just left Malik Willis off that list of guys that we've talked about as the best player in the draft. Because Lions fans don't deserve Malik Willis. Great. Right, next question. <laughs> Um, from David Mara at David Mara on Twitter, he asks, assuming Walker, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Malik, and Hamilton are all viable options, what's the furthest down the Lions can trade and still be confident about landing one of them? And what's the least acceptable return from making that move? So let's just start with the first question. Like, what's the furthest the Lions can trade down? Because as we've talked about, Brad Holmes is very comfortable with turning in a card that has multiple names at multiple different positions and being able to sleep at night. So what's the furthest they can trade down and still be confident about landing one of those guys that you think Brad Holmes is talking about? I think nine, eight or nine, you're probably still going to get one of those guys. Cause I mean, we can just start counting. So Hutchinson probably gone. 
two offensive tackles probably go in the top six, seven. At least, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe a third. Maybe probably a corner. So we're already up to what? Maybe a wide receiver? Maybe. I wouldn't I wouldn't maybe. count on it, but maybe. So if you add those five guys to two offensive tackles to a cornerback, you're already at eight, right? Right. You're, you're essentially guaranteeing one of those guys is there. I think you're, you're pushing it maybe at 10, so maybe nine is the furthest I'd be comfortable going. If, if you're going into this draft saying, I need one of these five guys, I think you could still probably get one at nine, although Seattle's at nine, so they might be where Malik comes off. So I, I feel like nine. I don't want to move out of the top 10. If, if again, that's if you, you view these top five guys as, as you can't miss out on one of them. I'd probably say eight myself. Um, I think it'll be a little bit more pressure and these guys will be hyped up a little bit more closer. We get there. There, there will definitely be some separation at some point. And I think the market for Walker and Malik are both going off the charts right now. And Hutchinson, Tib, Hamilton are all like, pretty well mocked to the top. I, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I would say I'm confident at eight, to be honest, because I feel like that corridor of Houston jets giants are going to probably take, if they're not already off the board, Tib, Hutch and Hamilton. So it's just a matter of then where does Malik go? And I think that answer is Carolina. So suddenly we're talking three, four, five, six. So you don't want to yeah. go too much further than that back than that. I'd, I'd, I'd probably change my answer to six. I, I, on I Carolina, really, you're spooked. I know it. I think it's really interesting that you guys both said eight and nine, both teams that could really benefit mm. from trading up and getting a quarterback. Hmm. Hmm. It, I, I don't. This is this is far from scientific, but uh, our community mock draft, which is run by the commenters on, on Pride of Detroit. All of those guys were gone by nine. Malik Willis was the last one to go at nine to the Seahawks. Um, before that, it went it went Hutchinson, Walker, Thibodeau, Hamilton. Those are the four of your top five there, all gone in the first four picks. Uh, and then and then Willis goes at nine after a couple of offensive tackles go off the board. Ahmad Gardner goes at seven, and Kenny Pickett, interestingly enough, goes before Malik Willis. So, you know, if if the Falcons would have gone Malik Willis there all of them would have been gone by eight. So I, I do got to ask too, cause I was looking at the CBS mock drafts. Like has everyone kind of just forgotten about Matt Corral like existing? <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Yeah. I think people are, are, I think people are wildly low on him. Um, you know, I I've seen him kind of drop just throughout this entire process. And I don't know how much that has to do with the ankle injury and not being able to perform at the combine and, you know, only getting the pro day to really do anything, but he seems to not have a lot of steam. Like him at 32 seems like a lot. No, like, I, I'm not interested in the Lions I haven't even quarterback seen at some, 32, but I, I've seen some mocks that don't even have him in the first round. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think like, that's a real possibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, and I, I, I know there's some legitimate concerns with this game out of Ole Miss, but to drop him like completely out to entertain bunch of other guys like i'm pretty sure bucky brook told us like his only two first round grades were like corral and Pickett, i believe and now people are saying like corral is probably qb4 and i mock think, drafts like yeah I, I think bucky book 
Bucky Brooks last uh, mock draft had no quarterbacks in the first round. Yeah. He's very down on this class. Very down. Yeah. Which I don't see that happening. It's the NFL. There's people he's, he's, he's approaching the draft as being like an ultimately logical thing. And this is not logical, smart people. Yeah. But I, I, I guess to, to wrap up the point, like, I, I think it also depends on how many of those quarterbacks do go early on. Like if somebody mm-hmm. moves up to take Malik early or if Kenny Pickett all of a sudden becomes the picket number six to the Panthers, well, then maybe a couple of those names do trickle down. And I think maybe you might be comfortable at picking at, you know, eight, nine or ten um, and still getting a guy that you had ranked high on your board. So um what about the second part of this question? Like what's the least acceptable return for, for moving back like that? Man, it's tough because I, I think a lot of the conversation in, in has surrounded about surrounded by, you know, the giants having those two for two top 10 picks, five and seven, would you trade five and seven to move down to seven or would you, sorry, you'd, you'd have to, you'd get five and seven. I'm, I'm losing my mind here. All right. Um, or who's the other team that has two top, 10 is Jets. The Jets. Four and 10. Yeah. Four and 10. Those, I mean, I think I would pull both of those trades off. I think they're slightly in favor of the lines. I can't remember in terms of trade charts. But I don't know. Like Atlanta, what would you, what would you move to down to eight? What would you need to get from Atlanta? I don't know what the draft picks situation is in the future and stuff, but theoretically speaking, what, what are you looking for in return to a drop six spots? Are you, do you need another, do you need a future first? Um, where are we dropping to? Say Atlanta at eight. If the Lions are dropping to Atlanta at eight, I would want the Lions to net at least like a future second round pick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we were talking about and, it last time. And maybe like a late eight. round pick. And maybe a late round pick. Like the Lions don't have a fourth round pick. Like maybe if they threw eight, 114 and a future second round pick. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it, it's, it's worth continuing to have the discussion of the Lions maybe wanting to load up on picks next year. If, if they are going to get aggressive and potentially go for a quarterback, I, you, you have to start thinking that far in the future. Although, even, even if you believe in Jared Goff, like, although you have it, to start thinking about that sort of thing. Can I, can I count that a bit? Because I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, what? Who are the big like we're you're really loading up and hoping that Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are the dudes. Sure. There's nobody and that, I and mean that, maybe and that they're and they're they're for the having too, right, Chris? Right, right. They're that they're for the having and all because after that, what's the next I think we talked about this before, but like what's the next quarterback on the board for 2023? Is it maybe hoping Spencer Rattler puts it together? It's a good like, question. Like yeah. this, but, this suddenly this class doesn't look as shallow unless we hope some guy jumps onto the scene. Because <clears throat> Caleb Williams is another year away. I guess my overall point is just having future draft picks and needing a quarterback is usually a good combo. Whether whether you're trading up in the mm-hmm. draft to get one or whether you're spending them like crazy to get right. someone in free agency or not free agency, but someone out there already developed that suddenly doesn't want to be with the team that they're currently on. Mm. Um. One last draft question. Uh, what if the Jaguars go offensive tackled, number one overall? Um, what, the, the exact question from Howie at Tyler Howard 
3426 on Twitter. He says the Jets offer four and 10 for two and 66. Uh, do you take the deal even with Hutchins, Hutchinson sitting there? Remove even the draft offer, the trade offer. Like, would you be comfortable with the Lions moving back even with Hutchinson on the board there for the taking it too? Yes. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Yes. Um, when it would fans would not be happy, but I mean, I am it, not of the belief that Hutchinson is a can't miss. Like there, there's no, there's no thinking that like the Lions would be so worried about the blowback that they would get locally. I would from, hope not. From no, from I mean they already they already suffered it with everyone going nuts on missing Justin Fields and not getting aggressive in free agency. I, I think they're willing to take PR. I would hope they're willing to take PR hits for doing an unpopular move, but one they believe in. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I throw Hutchinson in, in the conversation with the rest of these guys where we're not sure they're elite talents. We're not sure that their value to an NFL team is that much higher than six through 10 in this draft. And so mm-hmm. lines can get two top 10 picks for Hutchinson. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. I, the, the one the one thing I will say is I do absolutely think this team needs elite tier talent. They do. We we talked about it. Like they have the depth part covered. They just need game changers. It's something that Brad Holmes said. Maybe maybe Aiden Hutchinson is that guy, but I'm not a hundred percent convinced he is to the point where I would pass on getting two top ten picks because like like insert player name there right though Jeremy like yeah. I'm not sure Thibodeau is that player. Right. I'm not sure Kyle mm-hmm. Hamilton is that player. The, the one thing I will say about Hutchinson is I think his, his floor is pretty darn high. I think he's going to be a pretty darn good player in this league, no matter where he lands. Um, I just don't know if his, his ceiling is elite game changer. I don't, I don't know if that's who he develops into. And so that's why I think I'd be willing to just throw darts on, on two other top 10 picks and be okay with that. Yeah, I, Chris, I, I think I've heard more players say that they're the best player in this draft than <laughs> I've heard like in the past few draft cycles. And each one of those players who've said it, I've I've paused and I've been like, maybe. I don't know. You well, I at be. least I at least get Sauce Gardner saying it just because that's old school cornerback mentality. That's some twenty tens like Richard Sherman, I'm the best there that's ever been, and talking back and forth and all that talk about cornerbacks. Like cornerbacks are supposed to have that swag, right? They're supposed like if they don't, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, Kayvon Thibodeau saying at his pro day that the most ridiculous thing that he's seen in the pre-draft process is that he isn't the best player in the draft. Yeah. Well. I think that's funny. I like I, I, some people even turn that quote against him, which is silly to me. But that's wild, man. Yeah. I think people are just looking for reasons to not want Thibodeau. Yeah. Which is, I, we've brought it full circle. I think that's our last question. We brought it full yep. circle to Tibbs. We did Ryan, it. We did we it. We did it. Pride to Detroit, POD cast. We did it. I am the sack master. 